0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: 3-1 pitch, swing and a drive. Deep to right field, way up there, way out of here. Goodbye baseball. Eight strikeouts for the King tonight and make it 23 consecutive scoreless innings for Felix. And Strike three called on the outside corner in third.
2: It's time for the Seattle Mariners baseball
3: podcast.
1: Kyle Seeger, that just happened. Thank you very much.
3: Now, here's your host, Gary Hill. And welcome once again to the Seattle Mariners baseball podcast. Ariel here. Thanks for coming back once again. Mariners, well, thumping the Angels in game one of a three-game series. Game two continues Today with King Felix on the hill from Safeco Field at 710. It is Felix Day. Happy Felix Day. And what a day it was for the Sticks last night as the M's pound the Angels 10-1. to Of uh, The highlights from that one coming up in just a few minutes. Big, big ball game offensively for the Mariners. Yesterday, a big day in Mariners history and, well, not just Mariners history, Major League Baseball history. We're going to celebrate that with some unique sound from what was a big day yesterday in Mariners history September 14th 1990 you probably have a guess as to what happened we'll talk about that coming up in a few minutes also Andy Van Slyke he is always fun to hear from and you're going to hear from him coming up in a few minutes Shannon Dreher a chance to catch up with Andy Van Slyke also with all the new faces here in September we call on Mike Curto We've had a glimpse at some of these new faces, but he has had a chance to see many of them for the entire season. So we'll lean on him a little bit to give us a thumbnail of what he saw this year from several different guys. So that conversation will come along as well. But the Mariners taking on the Angels in a three-game series, this series of vital importance for the Angels as they continue to just hang around in the race in the thick of things among with several other teams but the Mariners landed a hammer blow to the Angels in this one. Angels took a 1-0 lead in the second inning against Taiwan Walker, but really, Tywan Walker was ridiculous after that. He was absolutely outstanding, dominant at times, and his final line, awfully impressive against the Angels.
1: The windup, and again the 3-2 pitch, and a swing and a miss, and a changeup in the dirt for strike three. So, back-to-back strikeouts for Taiwan Walker. He fans Calhoun to lead things off. He strikes out Mike Trout. Pretty good battle right there.
3: Seven innings of four-hit ball, just one run allowed, no walks, and seven strikeouts for Taiwan Walker. He did it on 96 pitches. He was sensational and ninth spouts back from a tough start his last time out. Really handcuffed the Angels, grabs his 11th win of the season. The offense will grab the headlines, but... Taiwan Walker, that should not go unnoticed what he did in this game and what he has done really all season long. And he put in context his age and the year he's put together. And this has been a very nice year for Taiwan Walker. So impressive seven innings, four hit ball, one run. And the Mariners, after trailing one nothing in the second, they bust loose for three runs in the second inning
1: the 2-0 to Smith swing a drive right. deep to right field and the Mariners have the lead 2-1 to one. looked like it ricocheted off the board underneath the hit it here cafe into the lower deck Seth Smith with his 11th home run of the season with Cano board, and it's now the Mariners 2 and the Angels 1 holy smokes that got out of here in a hurry
3: Mariners added one more in the fifth inning and then the seventh inning. Well, the Mariners went nuts, and it started with Robinson Cano.
4: Runner goes. Here's a pitch. Line drive. Base hit center field. Seeker scores. Richie's waving Jonesy. Jonesy to third the ball gets all the way to the wall. Cano with a two-run double. And the Mariners have a 6-1 lead. Robinson Cano with his second hit and as many at bats. Couple of RBIs, runs his total to 65.
3: And Marte would bookend it for the Mariners.
4: Pitch swung on, drilled to center field, trout given chase, going back, going back, reaches up, can't get it. One hop off the fence, scoring is O'Malley, and they'll hold Hicks at third. Could tell Marte with an RBI double. 10 1, Mariners.
3: And that would be the final. 10 1, the Mariners beat the Angels in game one of the series. Wow, impressive, impressive win for the Mariners in game one. Now they send out the king Felix Hernandez in game two of the series. And this is going to be one that I'll be watching closely. Felix Hernandez, a lot of people talking about the 20 wins for Felix Hernandez. Absolutely, it'd be great to see him get 20 wins for the first time in his career, right now sitting at 17 and 8. But there's two numbers that I'm looking at even closer. Right now, he's at 183 innings pitched, 175 strikeouts. Looks like four more starts starting with tonight. Innings pitched, you have to figure, you feel pretty good about. 183 innings right now to get to 200. That's the key number. 200 innings pitched. And 200 strikeouts, getting that four start, I think, is really going to help the cost. If he can get to 200 innings and 200 strikeouts, it would be the seventh straight season of 200 plus innings, 200 plus strikeouts. Now, he's already done it six times. Let's put the streak aside. He's had six seasons of 200 plus strikeouts, 200 plus innings pitch. That's already the 12th most ever. Tied for the 12th most ever, standing at six. Now, let's talk about the streak, six in a row. Pretty rare company. In fact, only three pitchers have done it more than six times. Tom Seaver, an incredible nine times in a row. Roger Clemens, seven times. Walter Johnson, seven times. If Felix Hernandez can get to 200-200 again, he joins Clemens and Johnson. Four pitchers have done it seven or more years in a row. That's what we're talking about with Felix Hernandez. He's already paving his way to the Hall of Fame, but when that case is made at some point down the road, it is numbers like this, it is company like this that gets brought up, that opens the eyes, that, uh, that gets him there. We, we're watching history unfold essentially every time he takes the mound, and he has taken the mound on a roll against the Angels. He's been outstanding. Last time out against the Rangers, eight innings, no runs, Fan eight against Oakland the time before that, eight innings, three earned. fan nine before that against Oakland, eight innings, two earned. fan seven. After being skipped, he's been on a nice roll. You've heard him talk about seeing something in film, doing a couple bullpens, getting things squared away, and it has looked like it. He's been outstanding in the Mariners. A chance to take the series tonight at Safeco Field. Well, I recommend getting out to the ballpark tonight because this is one of the last times we'll get to see Felix Hernandez in person this year at home at Safeco Field, Kings Court. The whole thing, it's going to be rolling. It's going to be fun from the safe. Hopefully, I'll see you there. Safeco Field, 7-10, first pitch against the Angels. Okay, let's shift gears a little bit. We've seen a lot of new faces, obviously, this month. We've talked about a lot of the new players this month. But Mike Curto has had a chance to see them for a lot of the season. So, along with Rick Riz, a chance to talk over some of the new faces and what we've seen so far in September, what Mike Curto has seen all season long. Here it is. One of the guys that really jumps out at me is Ketel Marte. I think he has been outstanding since getting the call uh, from AAA. He's, He's played well defensively at short. Shown great range, shown a great arm, and his approach at the plate has been tremendous leading off, too, which can be a tough thing for a young player, but in all phases, he's played really well. What did you see from him this year? I think I saw probably a lot of what you guys are
0: seeing here in Seattle, because at the start of the year, well, first off, he did reach AAA at the end of last season for like the final Mm -hmm. two and a half weeks of the season, so he got a taste of the level. And then to open the 2015 season, he just came out playing with more energy more visible energy on the field than you would see a lot of the other players he was the youngest guy on the team by far but uh, it was fun to have that energy out there and it was very clear that that he was into the game every day and then he would just slash line drives to all fields from both sides of the plate left-handed and right-handed and uh, then at one point, well, he went out with a thumb injury and then came back, and the Mariners wanted to see if he could play center field, so they played him out in center field for four or five games, and he made a great running catch in the deep in the alleyway in one of the games, and you know, just the athleticism kind of took over, and so he's a lot of fun.
2: The Mariners have so many talented young catchers, including Mike Zunino, and Mike went down to Tacoma at the end of the year, and they brought up a couple of young catchers and John Hicks and also Stephen Barron, both making their Major League debuts Over the last few days, over the last uh, week and a half, in the case of John Hicks, what about these two young catchers in Hicks and Barron? They're both known to be defensive specialists, I I think kind of in different areas,
0: because Hicks has all his career been tremendous at throwing out base dealers, and this year was leading the PCL in percentage of base dealers caught stealing uh, among all the qualified catchers in the league. This year was right around 45%, and you know he could really control the running game and it's not because he has a Pudge Rodriguez cannon for an arm it's because he has a real quick release and -hmm. and an accurate throw right on the money often to second base so he nails a lot of runners that way Steve Barron came up from double A to triple I think it was early June and he's always been known as a defensive specialist for his receiving skills but this year he hit a bit better than he Mm -hmm. had previously in his career he was batting around 270 in the PCL even pulled a couple of home runs and uh, he's a, a player who was uh, a long time brewing in the farm system, mm-hmm. a first-round draft pick in 2009 as a, as a high schooler, as an 18-year-old, as a catcher, one of the toughest positions to learn. So it took him a long time to make his way through the system,
2: and it's pretty awesome that he's getting a chance here in September to, to play in a few games. Yeah, I asked him, I said, what were the nerves on a scale of 1 to 10? He said 20. <laughs> yeah, I bet. <laughs> I bet. But, uh, no, he did, he did a heck of a job out there. So what are we to see from James Jones this afternoon? Mm. Uh, it's nice to see him in the leadoff spot and getting some at-bats. Uh, he, I
0: thought, was very much improved this season uh, in Tacoma from what we saw when uh, he was in Tacoma last year because Jones had uh, more of a true leadoff type of plate appearance on a regular basis in Tacoma this year. He would see a lot of pitches, work the count. He drew more walks this year. In fact, uh, 11 walks in his last 11 games before getting called up. Uh, sure. at just seeing a ton of pitches and showing more of the type of things you want to see from a leadoff hitter instead of uh, swinging at the first or second pitch and putting it in play at bat after at bat. He was kind of grinding him out this year. So that's encouraging. And, uh, you know, he's also improved in center field, and he has the great speed, a highly successful base stealer. Hopefully he'll get on base tonight and we'll get a chance to see him try to run.
3: Another guy that's been really impressive is Sean O'Malley. And what strikes me is his versatility. I mean, he's, he's played in the outfield heel, but most of his minor league time was spent at shortstop. He's been an infielder, uh, switch hitter. I mean, he can do so many different things.
0: O'Malley's another high-energy player like uh, like Cattell uh, Marte in that uh, he, he, he has high speed on the base paths, uh, not just uh, uh, speed on the base paths, though, but the, the ability to bunt for a hit. He'll drag bunt up the first baseline. He'll push a bunt up the third baseline, try to beat it out for a hit. He can play, as you said, uh, anywhere, center field, second base, shortstop. I guess up here he's been playing the corners a bit. And uh, just a a guy who wants to be in the lineup every day and seems to be able to do some things to help you win a game each and every day.
3: Looks like, too, from what we've seen so far, you saw a lot of live arms coming out of the bullpen. I mean, we're seeing 96, 97 miles per hour with some of the guys that have come up.
2: Tony Zick.
0: Yeah. One. yeah, Yeah. that was uh, Zick's been a great surprise this year because he wasn't even in the organization until the end of spring training when the Mariners acquired him in a minor league deal with the Cubs for future considerations. And the guy shows up throwing 98 miles <laughs> per hour <laughs> and he improved his slider during the season and uh, now he's in the big leagues.
2: Yeah, he's been fun to watch coming out of the bullpen throwing 96. First guy that he faced, uh, were we, in Oakland? And he strikes out yeah. Marcus Simeon on three pitches. Yeah. First guy.
3: No, he's, he's already kind of taken a, taken a significant role in the bullpen as well. I mean, he's, he's pitched really well.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, uh, again, the slider has been key for him, just the ability to get swings and misses with that pitch and not just rely on the fastball. That's uh, enabled him to kind of make his move from from double-A to triple-A to the big leagues this year.
3: Did anyone else catch your eye in Tacoma?
0: Uh, J.C. Ramirez, who was Hmm. just called up uh, after the PCL season ended on Monday, he was picked up midseason from the Arizona Diamondbacks organization, and he's another power arm who throws uh, 98-99, even hit 100. And, you know, (laughs) he... uh, When you're talking about a guy with that live of of an arm, there's always a chance for for success, you know, tweak a couple of things, improve your command a little bit, improve the breaking ball, and all of a sudden you might have something.
3: No doubt about that. I mean, it's been a parade of 96, 97 out from the guys coming up, but it's been impressive. And right now we give things off to Shannon Dreher as she has a chance to catch up with Andy Van Slyke.
5: Catching up with Andy Van Slyke, and Andy, this – this is the interesting time of the year for the coaches. You guys have got a lot of extra charges right now that you've got to keep track of. Uh, interesting sight today. A lot of early batting practice going on. Uh, what do you have to do with these increased numbers that you have?
6: Get more sleep. <laughs> uh, you know, it's just probably more physical work more than anything else, but, you know, we still got a couple of young players playing new positions. It's just a matter of really working with them, not only physically. Obviously, we do a lot of physical drills, but there's a mental side of playing the outfield that's totally different than playing in the infield. Both those guys, most of their baseball careers, even when they're amateurs, were infielders, so it's a big adjustment for them.
5: How's Brad doing that, with that? I know it was one of his concerns because he is so in on everything at shortstop, and then all of a sudden you're out there and you're kind of by yourself and the game slows down a little bit. Where, where is he with that right now?
6: It would be uh, It would be disingenuous for me to try to make an evaluation right now because I haven't seen enough playing time in the outfield but uh, so far so good you know and the, and the wonderful thing about Brad Miller is uh, if he's not a successful major league player at the level he wants to be successful it won't be because of lack of effort the kid really wants to wants to play the game he does want to play it right and he's willing to work at, at his craft and if his craft is uh, is outfield I know Brad Miller will do everything he can to be the greatest outfield that he can possibly be.
5: Talked to Jeff Kingston about how they could determine as quickly as they can taking a look right now and he said routes and instincts and jumps are kind of the biggest thing with an outfielder
6: the one thing you can't teach up here is instincts you know certain players have a higher level of instincts than other players it's just it's just always been the case I mean you can give players information uh, you can give them situations you can give them scenarios but when uh once the game starts, it's instincts that really, I think, separate the great players from the good players. And the good players from the bad players, I think, comes down to instincts. Now, talent-wise, most guys fall into uh, pretty much the same wheelbarrow. There's very, very few guys that uh, are elite athletically. Having said that, the really, really great ones are are an elite athlete and they have great instincts. And when you can put those two together, uh, then you got a special player. So I think for, for, for young players is uh, is trying to figure out just what kind of instincts they do have at the major league level.
5: In your mind, who was your favorite or who did you most like to watch in center field? Myself? Yes. You're, you like to watch yourself? Yes. Okay.
6: You said who I like to watch the most? <laughs> I would say myself. Say okay, <laughs> Besides myself, I would say uh, probably Andrew Jones. Okay. When uh, I was just about towards the end of my career and Andrew Jones was was coming in and uh, he really amazed me just how shallow of a center field he played you know that's one thing you can't teach you can't teach a player uh, to play shell and take perfect routes to ball in the gap and he Pretty much had just about perfect routes to the baseball.
5: Interesting name. He doesn't get as much acclaim as some, but when you bring that up, you know. You he see was it.
6: he was a really terrific, that. terrific player. Yeah,
5: absolutely. Sean O'Malley, two diving catches yesterday. Are you just holding your breath when he leaves his feet?
6: No, you know he's uh, you know he he's probably just dumb enough to, to leave his feet and, and 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 make great plays. You know, <laughs> having no experience <laughs> out there. You know, someone who's played out there, I wouldn't be so nervous. But no, I'm just kidding. He he made two terrific plays and. And, uh, again, we're talking about instinct. That's an instinctive play. You know, I could, you know, hit fungos for six hours straight. And to have a player leave his feet in a game situation and make a play tells you what kind of instincts he does have.
5: Yeah, absolutely. Last question. Does anybody have more fun throwing batting practice than you?
6: I don't know, but I know one thing. Probably nobody (laughs) has a sore arm than after batting (laughs) practice than me. I'm getting too old for that kind of velocity.
5: I hear it's pretty fierce.
6: It's it's probably too hard, but you know sometimes these guys want, you know, game speed, and so if they want game speed, then uh, I'm the guy for it.
5: All right, then that's why you see out there so much, Andy. Thank you. All right,
3: and now we're going to celebrate a little piece of baseball history and Mariners history. And funny enough, they played the Angels last night because they were playing the Angels on Friday night, September fourteenth, nineteen ninety at Anaheim Stadium, Mariners and Angels. The starting lineup for the M's that day, Harold Reynolds was leading off as the second baseman. Ken Griffey Sr. was batting second in the order. Ken Griffey Jr. was batting third in the order. Griffey Sr. playing left field. Griffey Jr. playing center field for the Mariners. And it was early on in the ballgame, the first inning, Kirk McCaskill on the mound. He walks Harold Reynolds to start the ball game, and then Ken Griffey Sr. would stroll to the plate.
1: The stretch, and again the 0-2 pinch to Griffey, swinging a high fly ball deep into left center field, wide back to the one, he tracked to the wall, goodbye baseball! Ken Griffey Sr. with his third home run as a Mariner, a two-run drive, way out of here, deep to left center field, and the Mariners get on the board quickly. Ken Griffey with a two-run shot way out to left center
3: field. There was Rick Riz on the call. And before Ken Griffey Jr. rolled to the plate, here's what Rick Riz had to say between batters.
1: And now for only the icing on the cake. Wouldn't it be something if Junior would come up with a home run right here?
3: (laughs) Why? here it is. Here's how things would sound in the bat. Ken Griffey Jr., sitting in there. Griffey, by the way, Griffey Sr. hit that home run on an 0-2 pitch. Ken Griffey Jr., a 3-0 pitch after his dad had just homered.
1: I mean, the story continues to get better and better and better and better over the last two weeks ever since Sr. signed. Here's the pitch on the way, swinging a fly ball deep in the left field. Way back! Going back! Goodbye! Baseball! They do it! The Griffey's with back-to-back home runs! And the to get better and better and better. Ken Griffey Jr.
3: There it was. Back-to-back blast. It is just incredible. The odds of father and son even being on the same roster, on the same team, in the same lineup, batting back-to-back, hitting home runs back-to-back. I mean, the very first thing they did was hit singles back-to-back, but it's hard to believe that is ever going to happen again. An amazing piece of baseball history. Edgar Martinez that day was in the lineup for the Mariners. Edgar, the third baseman for the M's. This is how the rest of the lineup sat. Alvin Davis with the DH batting fourth after junior. Pete O'Brien at first base. Jay Buhner in right field. Edgar Martinez, the starting third baseman. Scott Bradley was catching. And Omar Vizquel was the shortstop batting ninth. This is what Edgar remembers from that day.
2: One of the things that I remember the most is that The location of the home runs, they went almost exactly in the same place, a same pitch, and it went. It's almost like they landed in the same area. (laughs) So it was incredible, not only playing father and son, but being able to play the way they did and to hit back-to-back home run. It was amazing.
3: Amazing is the right word for it. It really is. Hard to believe it happened. Here's what Gary DeSarcina had to say, long-time angel.
2: Gary, let's go back, I can't believe it, 25 years ago on this date, 1990. Ken Griffey Sr. and Ken Griffey Jr. go back-to-back home runs off of Kirk McCaskill. You're a young player at the time with the California Angels. It was in Anaheim. What do you remember about that night and seeing father and
4: son hit back-to-back home runs in a big league game? Well, you know, obviously being that young and being called to the big leagues, you're pretty pie-eyed and wide and your eyes are wide open and you're just in awe of being at the big league level. But... Um, it's funny when you when you mention Ken Griffey to me, he killed Boston. He was the Boston Red Sox, you know, against the Cincinnati Reds way back in the Great. 70s when I was a young kid and I grew up watching Boston Red Sox, you know, in 75 with the fist the whole fist series and the big red machine. So I knew Ken Griffey senior from that. Um, I didn't really know Ken Griffey Jr. yet. Uh, you know, I wasn't aware of him until um, you know pretty much until that night. That was an eye opener for me because I remember sitting on the bench and. Mm-hmm. You know, anytime you hear, like, a father and son are playing the same game, it's just very weird. It's awkward. Yeah. It doesn't happen much. It's, it's unique. So, obviously, they have your attention when you're, you're there, and when they, they announce them and they walk up to the plate, you watch their at-bats. But I was first enamored by Ken Griffey Sr., um, like I said, because of the 75 uh, big red machine yeah. and, and knowing what, what happened back then to the Red Sox. Can you recall
2: the reaction of your teammates sitting in the dugout? Because I was in shock to see what had
4: just happened. Yeah, you know, it's. A, I think it was. There was a couple of seconds of like, you know, what, what was that? You know, like what was that? You know, back to back, being father, father son. But I think the majority of us probably reflected on their dad and could we have done that with our dad? And I think my first reflection was, you know, I was twenty one, twenty two, twenty two at the time, right around there, and my dad was probably you know, in the early 50s. He was young too, late 40s, early 50s. And I was thinking, Mike, we could not do that. (laughs) You know, I think you reflect upon your your own personal experience and your own, own, um, um, you know, your own dad. And I think... um, it brought me back, amazing as it may sound, it brought me back to. I used to throw, you know, batting practice to my dad. After he got done throwing batting practice to us, his arm would be hanging off me and my brother's, and we'd be on a high school field, and he would get up there and hit, hit, hit a throw into him and yeah. hit it. He would hit it out of the ballpark right handed, and then joking around, he would turn around left handed and switch hit and hit one out left handed. And, yeah, you know, so you always think your dad's just the best ever, and oh my God, my dad, like thinking back of when I was young. But the amazing experience that those two must have felt having the the ability to, do, to go not just hit a home run in the same game, but to go back to back and be on the same field and dress in the same clubhouse and all the things that come with playing major league baseball to experience with your pops. So it's just mm-hmm. gotta be an incredible thing and I'm sure that it's it's a memory that uh, even when Junior goes into the Hall of Fame, I'm oh, sure man. that's going to be one of the memories that stand out. You know, other than the ninety the ninety five se- season here when they when they overtook us and you know they went to the playoffs and they moved into the stadium a couple of years later. But to, to do something like that with your dad, that's unique and special. It's really really cool thing to have. That's
2: beautiful, Gary De De-Harsina, Thanks a lot for the memories. All right, thank you.
4: Really great, really great.
3: Uh, reaction there from Gary DeSarcina with the Angels, but what a moment it was in baseball history. One that is hard to believe will ever happen again. Griffey's going back to back 25 years ago. Pretty amazing. Well, that's going to do it for us in this one. I can't wait till tomorrow. We'll Talk about Felix Hernandez. Felix dead day. Enjoy it. See you later!
0: Okay, picture this.